In Jesus' name we pray. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. We, have, uh, we are still continuing our study on the book of James and we have come to our last session. It took one year, eight months to do the study and today is the last session of it and we are going to conclude by doing, reading our Bible from James chapter 5, James chapter 5 and we will be looking at verse 13 to verse 20. Verse 13 to verse 20 will be our study today. James 5 verses 13 to 20. The Bible says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him praise. That means sing, sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Elijah was a man with nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it may not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sin. I've titled today's message as How to Pray About Your Problems. How to Pray About your problems. Let us bow our heads. Most gracious and loving Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. How about today we bring the scripture and we bring it to your throne room of grace asking you reveal your word to us. Father, we are empty vessels waiting to be filled and we want to overflow with your mercy. Hide me behind the cross, Daddy. Father, I pray that not one word will be stolen from your children. And I pray in the name of Jesus that every word that proceeds from your throne room of grace will accomplish the purpose for which it was ordained for in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name we pray, Father, that the enemy will have no authority over anyone here. The enemy will not put anyone to sleep. The enemy will not make anyone's mind wander away. Father, we pray that your ministering angels will come and take control of everyone's mind. Lord, into your hands we commit this time. Be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
If you have your phones and for some reason you walked into this hall and you're not switched off your phone, I kindly request you to do that. This time belongs to God. Please switch it off. Let us honor God by putting off our phones that nothing should take away our, our attention today. How to pray about your problems is a title. Last session, grow up, don't give up. Now, if I go to each one of you and if I sit personally with you on a one-to-one basis, and if I am to talk to you from my heart to your heart, we will all find out that each and every one of us have some type of problem. Someone might be struggling in a physical, spiritual, material. Everyone is having some type of problem. For some reason, we don't show it out. Some show all their problems. Some hide it. Because we do not want to show that I have a problem. That's what we do most of the time. But here James is showing us today. How are we to pray for the problems that we are having? Let's quickly turn to verse 16. I want you to keep your Bibles open because it's going to be a study. Look at verse 16. The prayer of a righteous man is... Is powerful and effective. Have you seen that? The prayer of a righteous man. That's the requirement. Is powerful and effective. Now the word prayer is mentioned seven times in this passage. In this what we have read. The word prayer is mentioned seven times. So it's all about prayer that we just read. And that's the reason the title also was given. James had a reputation of being a man of prayer. And he had a nickname. James had a nickname. He was called James the Camel Knee. That was his nickname. James the Camel Knee. And the reason James was given that name is because his knees were swollen due to kneeling continuously in the presence of God. And sometimes we should, if you, someone comes and tells you, I am a prayer warrior, ask a prayer person, can I see your knees? If his knees are clean, he is not a prayer warrior, he is a standing warrior, not a kneeling warrior. Because a warrior is the one who is on his knees, not the one running about. That's the secret of a warrior, a person who is always on their knees when nobody sees. He doesn't preach it out. Now, Prayer is the greatest privilege of a Christian life. Why? Because that person is able to communicate or talk with God. Number two, the greatest power in a Christian life is also prayer. The greatest privilege, the greatest power, both are established because of prayer. So, what Prayer can do is what God can do. Whatever prayer can do for you is what God can do for you. Anything that God can do for you can be done through prayer. Anything that God can do for you can be done through prayer. Amen? Jesus said in John 14, 2, The things that I do, what he says, you will also do and how? Greater. Have you seen that? 
He says, you will do greater things than these. But how do I do greater things than Jesus? That's the secret. How can I do greater things than Jesus? Anything you ask for in? In prayer. The verse below, verse 13. Anything. Jesus said, you will do greater things. But it should come in the form of prayer. Now, Prayer, that means it's our greatest responsibility of every Christian. The greatest responsibility you and I have is prayer. But the sad part, the problem of our greatest failure is also lack of prayer. The greatest failure in our Christian life is because we do not know how to pray. We do not know what to pray. And that's the biggest problem. So we are going to look at, many of us are not satisfied with our prayer life. We want to go more closer to God, but we are having problems. So today, we are going to look at three issues that James addresses in the book of, uh, in chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Number one, when should I pray? Number two, what kind of person can pray? Or in other words, who can pray? Who can pray is the second point. And the third point is, how can I pray more effectively? Those are the three points we are going to look today in our study. Number one, when should I pray? That's a, that's a question many of us have. Brother, when do you think I should pray? And let us look at the scripture. James in this passage addresses three specific times that you ought to pray. There are many times, but we are looking at only James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Now, there are all the times you are praying, but we are looking at what is James trying to address to us. So, there are three specific ways of uh, areas. Number one, number one, when I am hurting emotionally. Number first, when I am hurting emotionally, I should pray. Look at verse 13. Let us go back to our scripture reading. The Bible says, is anyone of you in trouble? What he should do? He should pray. Now, the word trouble in Greek literally means to suffer misfortune. That's the Greek translation. To suffer misfortune, number one. To be in distress, number two. To be under stress, number three. And to be under tension. That's the meaning in Greek for trouble. In the book of Timothy also, he talks about the same thing. In Timothy, Timothy says trouble, uh, trouble means to be in hardship. Now, James is talking about an internal distress. We heard this yesterday in intercession. You have an internal distress caused by an external circumstances. Something that caused from outside has now hurt you deeply inside. And they are, it could be a financial problem. Something financially has touched you and it's hurt you very badly inside. You're emotionally hurt, number one. Number two, it could be even a relationship. You had a relationship and for some reason, one of the spouses are doing something wrong and that causes hurt within you. And number three, is when somebody speaks wrongly of you, very wrong of you, about you, which is not true, 
In the olden times, how did people speak bad of somebody? Through the tongue, correct? If I didn't like Pastor Abraham, I will call Brother Matthew. I can't believe Pastor Abraham is like this. How, how dare he does that? He is a pastor, okay? But now, the Christians are becoming very cautious and they say, Oh, I should not sin with my tongue. So now the enemy says, I will give you an alternate to sin. Do you know how, they, how we are sinning now? We are sinning with our fingers. Do you know what's that? Your iPad, your cell phone. I don't like Pastor Abraham. First message gone. I can't believe Sean does this. Second message gone. And now the enemy gives us. We say, I'm not sinning with my tongue. But I'm using my finger now. Very nicely all my messages goes. So God, my mouth is clean. But my fingers are dirty. So the enemy now has found a way for us to sin. And through WhatsApp. WhatsApp is dangerous. Oh, unto anyone who condemns somebody else through messages. I say this with the anointing of God. You will be severely punished when you talk about somebody which is wrong. And even if it's right, you have no right to do it. Your duty is to sit at the feet of God and say, This is what I've seen. God, can you deal with that person? Now, in Psalm 18 verse 4, David says, in my distress, I call unto the Lord. When I am troubled, when I am hurt, I call unto God. James is talking about this in light with what we studied last month in verse 12. We see in verse 12, look at verse 12, what the Bible says. Above all, my brothers, do not, do not sleep. Do not swear. We've seen that in verse 12. It says, do not swear. So now, when you are in tension, or you are tempted, or you have tried, James is saying, don't swear, don't open your mouth and speak wrong. Now, when you are in distress, you have two alternates. Every time when you have trouble with you, you have two alternates. Number one, you could choose verse 12. To swear and curse. Or you could choose verse 13. To pray over the situation. Amen. You have given a choice. He says I give life. And I give death. You want death. Go to verse 12. You want life. Go to verse 13. So we have an alternate. And you cannot say. I'm sorry I did not know. Very quickly, you see James diverting now. Look at verse 13, verse the second part, 13b. He switches from distress and now he says, Is any one of you happy? What he should do? Let him sing praises. The Bible says, Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. It's found in Romans chapter 12. Verse 15, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. So one of the qualifications of being a leader, of being a pastor, you know what's the qualification that you have? You have only two gears in your car. Normally we have five gears and one reverse, correct? But every pastor and a leader should have only two gears. 
I suppose sometimes you can ask the third gear. I will tell you what's the third gear. The gear number one. When you go visiting to someone's house, you go, you know that every family is up and down. You go to sister, sister's house first and they are rejoicing. So what do you do as a pastor or as a leader? You rejoice. If they're having biryani, you eat biryani, you enjoy with them. Okay? You finish with them and then you say, I'm now going to Brother Lyndon's house. And you go to Lyndon's house and there is weeping taking place. You have to switch gears immediately because now I have to weep with him. Just because I enjoyed rejoicing there, I don't come and rejoice here because they are hurting. You won't be welcomed again the next time. I should be able to rejoice with the one who is rejoicing and I should be able to weep with the one who is weeping. And I want to tell you the neutral gear. The neutral gear is when you go to your own house. You will have both. One will be rejoicing and one will make you cry. So as a, as a man of God... We should be willing to change gears all the time. Don't run on the same gear to everyone's house. Don't take the sorrow that you had when brother's house and take it there and they are rejoicing. You go and you start crying. They'll put you in the back room. Now the word praise, the word praise, he says rejoice. The word praise is found 550 times in the Bible. Can you believe that? 550 times the word praise. That means... It's asking every Christian, your lifestyle should be a lifestyle of praise and worship. Amen? Now, if you say you're a woman of prayer, you're a man of prayer, then you should be a person filled with praise. We heard that from Pastor Sean a few weeks ago. If I say that I'm a person of prayer, always you'll be a person of praise. Continuously praise will come in your mouth, no matter what the situation is. Whether there is weeping or there is rejoicing, I will continuously be in praise. Now, children of Friday school, those of you who are the age of 7 to 13, could you quickly stand up please? Children, Friday school children, between the age of 7 to 13, quickly. Don't waste time, don't think how old you are. Come on. Okay, all of you, the girls come to my left, the boys come to my right. Quickly, come forward. All of you, the girls to my left, the boys to my right. And if other Friday school children you want to come, you also can come in. Don't worry. Even up to the, up to the 15 years, come quickly. Come close to me. Come on, come on close to me. Come on, girls, come close to me. I want to have the song up on the screen. To stay when we are happy. Come here, baby. Do you know this Friday school song which says, Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him in the morning, praise Him in the noontime, praise Him when the sun goes down. We are going to see these Friday school children sing, and we are going to join with them. Musicians, where are you? Come on, Romeo, be fast. Ready? Matthew, are you ready? One, guys, are you ready? One, two, three, four. Praise Him, praise Him. Praise Him in the morning, praise Him in the noontime. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him when the sun goes down. Love Him, love Him, love Him, love Him in the morning, love Him in the noontime. Love Him, love Him, love Him when the sun goes down. Love it, love it, love it, love it. 
sick and now dead. Another one. Remember Dorcas? Dorcas was sick, which led to death. Then, the same word describes the man at the pool of Bethsaida. Remember that man? He was so sick that he didn't have strength to even go to the pool. He was so close, yet he was so far. He was at the pool, but he never had strength to get into the pool. That's the sickness that James is talking about here. Now, he's talking about a serious illness, not stomach pain. Now, what you must do, it is in a place where the doctors have said, no hope for you. What the Bible says, now the Bible says, call the elders to pray over you. See, the word over you means you're bedridden. That's the meaning James is talking about. You are totally bedridden. The elders will pray over you. And with what? They will pray over you with? With? Oil. Now, I want to show you something. There are approximately five different attitudes of healing. I want to show you five different attitudes towards healing. Or a lot of five different divisions about healing. Now, Please don't misunderstand what I'm going to talk. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm taking the scripture. I'm opening the scripture to you. You go home, study the scripture and see what I'm saying is right or wrong. Number one, James is saying about there are people who... Next point, my sister. The sensationalist. That's the first group. There are five different things. And number one is the sensationalist. Now, who are these guys? That talk about healing. These are the guys that you see on TV. I'm not quoting any names. Please be very careful. These guys come to your town. They have big meetings. And all that you see is large auditoriums. You see advertisement totally about the healer. Everything is about the preacher. One small writing about Jesus. Only one back you'll find one line about Jesus. But everything, all the posters is only about this one big man in that meeting. Now, you find cameras rolling everywhere. Complete, the auditorium is filled with bright lights. And everything is about the healer only. Come to this man, you will be healed. Nowhere says, come to Jesus, you will be healed. You will hear this person shouting on the top of his voice. You will see this person slapping the people all around. You will see him putting his hand and pushing people down if they are not falling under the anointing. He will give one touch. If you don't give, he will give another touch so that you will fall on the ground. You will see such type of people. Then, if that is not enough, he will take his coat and he will slap you with his coat and he will think that anointing is flowing. Making a mockery of Christianity. All I am saying is be careful. You must be having a discerning spirit. That's all I'm saying. I'm not condemning. You must be careful. What happened when two men of God took the stick and took the cloak and struck the, the rock and the water? What happened? The water parted. The rock broke. These people are taking the coats and hitting people. The ground is supposed to split actually when they do that. But that doesn't matter. The man who is standing and getting hit by the coat, he thinks, if I don't fall, I'm not holy. So he falls purposely. The next one falls purposely. A mockery of Christianity takes place in these large meetings. And an unbeliever sees it and he says, is this is what Christianity is all about. I want to only take you back to Christ. 
every preacher or teacher or man of God will always take you back to the gospel, back to the cross all the time. Amen. In Jesus' healing, what did he do with people? Jesus went, he talked to them one on one. And even if they were in a crowd, he took them away from the crowd. Only when a certain situation where he was unable to take someone from the crowd, he ministered to that person at that time. The man who came down from the roof, the man at the pool. Other than that, Jesus always ministered one on one. You know what he did? He never manipulated the situation. Nothing. Everything that he did, he, he, he gave glory to the Father. Everything that the Holy Spirit gave glory to Jesus. Many men of God take glory upon them. Self. He never did anything to impress people. By the way, just because we heard this last week from pastor, and I was, I was rejoicing when I heard that. God speaks once when we hear it, twice. We heard this from the pulpit last week. Doesn't mean that every miracle takes place is from God. Be very careful. I'm going to show you. Remember when Moses laid the staff on the ground. What did the Egyptians do? They laid their staffs also in the ground. Have you seen that? We've seen that very carefully. So we, we know that if anything is done in the name of the Lord, test it to see if it is from God. It could be even from a false prophet. One more scripture I'll show you. In Matthew 7, Matthew 7 verses 22. Many will come in my name on that day and say, Lord, Lord. Have you got the scripture? I want to show you. If you have it, underline it. Didn't we do? You see that word? We do. Imagine these guys going to heaven and telling God, Lord, Lord, in your name, we. Nowhere. Have you seen that secret there? Earlier, what did we read? Earlier we read that, we seen, it was said that uh, uh, in verse 15, and the Lord will raise them up. Didn't we read that? Here is this man saying, Lord, Lord, we. The moment you take away he and you put we, you are a false prophet. Be very careful whenever you stand at this pulpit to say anything that does not glorify God. You are not a man or not a woman of God. Every child of God will always make sure that God is glorified in whatever he does. Amen? The second person is the confessionalist. That's the second group. We see in the sensationalist. Now, the confessionalists. Now, what are these guys? These guys say always it's God's will for everybody to be healed. Everybody has to be healed. But I'm going to show you something. They say, you name it, and you claim it. You name it, you claim it, it's yours tomorrow morning. I want that brother's wife today. Tomorrow morning she'll be mine. I'm naming it. I have to claim it. That's what these guys say. They say that sickness is the result of sin. That's what this group says. And all you need to do is claim your healing and your sin is gone. If you are not healed, you know what this group will say? You lack faith, brother. 
Now the sad part of it, maybe this person has faith. He goes home and thinks, oh, maybe I don't have enough faith. That's the reason I am not getting healed. False doctrine always creates false guilt. False doctrine will always create false guilt. But the problem that I have with this, this is legalism, is when you make up all rules and regulation, you take away the joy of knowing Jesus out of that person. Because you put all these rules, the joy of the Lord has left that person now. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. See that? Wherever the Spirit of the Lord, there is liberty. And now, you, one more scripture I'll give you. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 10, the second part. Nehemiah chapter 8, the second part. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve. You see that verse? You have it in your Bible? It says, this day is sacred. Don't grieve. But what? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Even if you are going through persecution, you are going through trials, you are going through difficulty, you have some sickness that is not going away from you, the Bible says the joy of the Lord will be your strength. No matter what be your situation. Now, these confessionless guys, they say just the way you walk, you can get anything you want. I claim a Cadillac today, Tomorrow the Cadillac will be by my door. Because I have claimed it. The problem with this, I have a problem with this. Do you know what is that? You are making God to be a genie. Do you know what a genie is? You ask the genie anything, you rub the lamp. Tomorrow I want to be Sultan Kabus. You won't be sitting at his throne. You will be sitting in some other throne. We are not rubbing lamps here. God is not a genie. All of a sudden, we want God to serve me, and I'm not willing to serve Him. It's all about, I want my desires, my wants, my whims, my fancies. He should provide all that for me. But God says, you serve me. But we're telling God, no, 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 you serve me. I will rub the lamp tonight. And I will ask you tomorrow morning, I want it at the door. What about 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19? What does the Bible say there, quickly? 1 Peter chapter 9, 4, verse 19. If you can have it, quickly read it. Ah, wait. So then, who? Those who suffer, hmm, according to the will of God. So sometimes our suffering could be the will of God. Quickly, when you go home, read the scriptures. Acts chapter 19, 9, verse 16. It says, I will show Paul how much he must suffer for the gospel. I will show Paul. I am calling Paul so that he will suffer for the gospel. One more scripture when you go home. Quickly go and read it. Romans chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. Go home and study the scripture. Sometimes suffering is the will of our Father for us. But in all that time, I will praise Him. When I'm down, I will praise Him. When I lose my job, I will praise Him. When the doctor says everything is wrong about me, I will praise Him. Amen? 
So we need, uh, what I want to say is, we need a discerning spirit. Number one, to know what is from God. Number two, to know what is from the enemy. Number three, to know if it's from my own fault, if you're suffering. The third group of guys I want to talk about, these, call, these guys are called the dispensationalists. You know what they say? They say that all the gift of healing were only in the New Testament time. They are done with Jesus and the disciples and it's over. No more healing. I was told this same thing by a bishop. When I got saved and I went back home and I wanted to see because he was my pastor. And now he became a bishop and I went and told him, I got saved bishop. I got healed bishop. I got delivered. And he laughed at me in a very sarcastic way and he says, those are for those times. I wished him and I walked out of that room. Those are those guys. They say, don't bother. Healing is only in the time of Jesus. Now there's no healing. These guys will say that. You have to be careful of them. But for these guys, I have a scripture. Let us turn to Hebrews chapter 13 and see what 8, verse 8 tells. You can tell these guys to, the, to their face. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. The Bible says, Jesus, the same, that means Jesus has not changed. Not that he's gone to heaven, he has changed today. He says he is the same when? Yesterday. Yesterday. Amen. Amen. Tell these guys that my Jesus, my Lord is the same yesterday. He is the same today and he is the same forever. Amen. Now I got the the fourth group. They are the rationalists, these guys. These are the people who say it's all in your mind. Brother, I'm sick. No, it's in your mind. You just get about it and it will go away. Brother, my leg is broken. No, it's in your mind that your leg is broken. You will be healed. There's another phony group. Crazy group. Be careful of them. Everything is in your mind. But brother, I went to the doctor. The doctor said, don't worry what the doctor said. It's only in your mind. That's the fourth group. I want to come to the last group. And the last group is called the realist. Yes, my sister. Now, I think Brother James of our Bible is a realist. I'm going to shake some of your theologies this afternoon. This realist recognizes two facts. There are two facts. Number one, the fact that God still does heal. Amen? Can you hear amen? God still does heal. Amen? Now, he does heal, but not Everybody gets healed. He does heal. God does heal. Not that everybody gets healed. Understand that? We heard that last week. Now, God does heal people today. Amen? But does not mean that everybody gets healed. But God is sovereign. He knows who has to receive the healing, when they have to receive. I waited for my healing for 15 years. Then, and night, I prayed and I waited, I waited. His timing was perfect. Do you know the lady, Fanny Crosby, who died at the age of 95? She was blind all her life, but everything she did brought glory to God. Amen? There's one thing that she has written in her book. I know when I open my eyes on the other show, I will see him face to face. Do you know the sister Joni? who met with an accident, she waited for a healing, but she's gone to be with the Lord. 
So let us not come to that conclusion, everybody. God is sovereign. Let God be the judge to whatever happens. Our duty is to lay our hands, pray for the person. Amen? Amen? I like to sing the song is when you go through these trials and when you don't understand anything, there's a beautiful song that says, cast thy burden upon the Lord. And what he will do? Can I have that song, sister, quickly? Cast your burdens upon the Lord and he will sustain you. Amen? Can we rise up on our feet? And let us tell the Lord, I do not know what you are going through. I will not know what you are going through. Maybe you are going through certain situations and you do not understand. It's better we say, Lord, I do not understand. But I am going to cast everything upon the sister of the next side. I will cast my burden upon you, Lord. And I believe morning, noon, and at night I will cry to you because I believe you will hear my voice. Amen. You can tell the Lord, Lord, I want you to hear my voice today. My grief is lot. I'm going through a lot of struggle, but I believe with all my heart. You are the God who answers prayers. You are my healer. You are my sustainer. You are my refuge that I can stand upon. You are the only hope that I have, Father. I come to you. In Jesus' name we have worshipped. Amen. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. So, now what is James telling us? James is saying, when you are sick, okay? When you go home, I want you to study these three script, uh, uh, portions. 1 Peter chapter 5, Acts chapter 20, and Titus 2. When you go home, study these three scriptures and you will see what's the foundation of the church. It's when you are sick 
It says, call for the spiritual leaders to come and they will pray over you. Now, verse 14. Let us quickly turn to verse 14. He says, call the elders. Look at 14. Now, who is doing the calling? Yes, brother. Amen. Thank you. Now, it says, if any one of you is sick, you call the elders. Now, when will a person call for an elder? The question is, the person who is bedridden. The person who cannot come to church. We heard that little before also from our pastor, Lakin also. We heard the same thing. He says, that means James is saying, you are unable to get up from your bed. Now, you call for your spiritual leader and let them come pray over you. Now it's very important that, now I want to touch a very sensitive area, please don't misunderstand me. Every Christian needs to identify himself with a local church. Why I'm saying that? One good reason is that when you get sick, you know who to call. You send all your tithes and offering to the tele-evangelist. When you're sick, are you calling him? You'll say, Pastor Abraham, Pastor Lakin, Pastor Leslie or Pastor Sean, can you come and pray for me? Or you'll call the tele-evangelist, can you come and pray for me? He will send you a WhatsApp message, be healed in Jesus' name. These people will come sit with you, share the scripture, build you up from doubt and bring you back to the cross. Amen? Brethren, these days there are many floating Christians. You know what these are floating Christians? Brother, are you a Christian? Yes, I am a Christian. How long have you been in the Lord? Oh, just 10 years. Wow, wonderful. So where are you attending? I don't know yet. I'm looking for a church. Floating. Are you attending any prayer meeting? No, I'm still not yet attending. I'm still waiting upon the Lord. Be careful before that you will go to heaven. 10 years. Still do not know where they are attending. And if you are attending a church, be faithful in that church. Maybe God has got a purpose for you. Don't jump from church to church to church. You will not know where you are. And then you wonder why I am not being used in the church. Why only I can see Pastor Sean dancing every time. You come and attend service every day. Get into the Bible study. Come and join the choir. He will make you dance. Amen, Pastor. Now, the reason if you are hurt or backslidden, that member of the family of God, that pastor will bring you back from the backslidden stage and take you straight to the cross. He will lead you back to the cross. A televangelist cannot do that to you. You can call these men 24-7, even 31 days. They will come faithfully to your house. That man will only call you once. He will not call you. He will send a message that is already put in his system. That's all you will receive. And you will think that he is praying for you. Look at verse 14. 14b. Call for the elder of the church to pray over him. The guy now is probably in bed. And it says, anoint him with oil. Now, I'm going to shake some more theology now. Sorry I'm doing this today, but I'm led by the Lord to do it. Now, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are many symbols in the Bible, and oil is also a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So, when we are baptized in water, what is the symbol? Not Holy Spirit, please. 
when you are baptized in water the symbol is water is a symbol of burial when you go to the waters down and you come so water is a symbol of burial now when you take communion the juice is the symbol of the blood are you drinking jesus' blood here no you are drinking the juice but that's a symbol of his blood shed on the cross so all through the scriptures we see that oil is used as a symbol of the holy spirit in the new testament times i was going through a very intense study to see this it says that oil was used every time when somebody is sick how many of you are from kerala maybe the full church okay few ask his brothers from kerala i had been there once i was sick i could not walk i had a problem with my back they submerged me till the neck in oil every day i was submerged brought up and massaged so oil is used as a medicinal value so that doesn't mean there is healing in the oil i want to show you the scripture okay one more scripture i'll show you remember the good samaritan when he found the man hurt what did he do he took wine and oil he, 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 he applied it on the man and then he put the bandage you seen that but i believe the emphasis is not the oil the emphasis is on the anointing amen that's the emphasis is the emphasis is on the anointing and not the oil you take the oil you kiss the oil you keep the oil on your head and you walk with oil no 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 please don't make an idol of that oil now please it's a symbol used as showing as the holy spirit it's an aid to faith oil is an aid to faith remember when jesus went to the blind man what did jesus do he took the mud he spat in the mud and he put the mud on the man's eyes so was did the mud bring healing to the man no it was the anointing that brought healing now someone would have plucked his eyeball and said give me that mud i have to take that mud and go put it on someone else's head so we get it wrong totally that was a form of aid for healing now it was his faith that healed him it was not the mud that brought the healing the emphasis here is on the power of prayer and not the power of the oil please get that when the man of god prays is the power of prayer and not the oil remember moses remember elijah what was the form they used they used a sauce they used a rod and they used a cloak did the rod divide the water divide the stone no it was the anointing that broke the rock it was the anointing that split the water and it had nothing to do with the cloak it had nothing to do with the rod please get that straight I want to show you one more part look at 14 verse 14 c c c section it says in amen you saw what brought the healing in the name of the lord so who is the healer here god is the healer not man please if somebody comes to your house and you get healed give glory to god and not the man who came to your house we are mere servants in his presence unworthy servants we are and it's only glory to god alone amen see the name represents the character of god all healing is based on god's character all healing god's character he is my 
provider. What's the character of God? He provides. God is my sustainer. What's the character? He sustains me. God is my rock. What? The character of God is a rock that I can stand upon him. Amen? Now, let us look at the result. Look at verse 15. 15. Yes, my brother. Now, the man prays, and what he is adding with, faith, with, with prayer? What's the substance? We see faith is now added in prayer, and then he will make the sick person well. Ah, now wait, wait. No, no, brother. Will make the sick, not he, will make the sick person, and well. look at the next line. And the Lord will raise him up. There, that's your place. So God is our healer. The man prayed and God healed him. Amen? And when God heals you, he forgives you because you have now confessed your sins and you said, God, will you forgive my sins, please? God gives you a gift with healing. Your sins are forgiven. Amen? Amen? My third point. When I am hurting spiritually, when I am hurting spiritually, verse 16, quickly. Therefore, Mm. Confess your sins mm. to each other. To each other. And in, pray. And pray that you may be for each mm. other so mm. that you may be healed. Now we are looking at when I am hurting spiritually. In Jesus' days and in many places today, people, especially the Jews, as I was studying, I noticed the Jews believed if you are sick, it's because of sin. That's what the Jews believed. All Jews believe if sickness came on you, it means you have sinned. There is some hidden sin. And if you have not confessed your sin, that means there are some more hidden sin. That's what they believe. But I want to show you a scripture. John chapter 9 verse 3. Jesus said to the man who has been born blind. What did he say? John 9 3. Neither this man nor his parents. Not this man, not his parents. God's work is to be manifested in his life. So when you are going through difficulty, you are going through situation, you are going through persecution, you are going through where you are not getting healed, God's glory will be manifested in your life continuously. No matter if it's one day, two days, ten years, twenty years, God's glory will be manifested in all this time in your life. Amen? Now, If I do not follow God's principle, then my body is going to find sickness very quickly. Let me say that. If I do not follow God's principles, my body will find sickness. Let me show this. If I don't take care of my body, eat right, sleep right, exercise right, then all the sickness will be a part of me. If I do not listen to God's word, where it says, do not be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. But instead, I worry, I get anxious, I, get, I start fretting, and what do I do? I bring sickness upon myself, I will get ulcers. There is a doctor in our house, ask him, what causes ulcers? Anxiety, fretting. Wanting something that you are not having, but you desire it. There is a doctor in the house. After the message, go and ask him. Ulcers cause is because of that. Next. 
If you are a person who is getting angry frequently, if I put my finger, you get angry. If I put my finger down, you get angry. If I come dressed like this way, you get angry. This person always angers around this person. What that will lead to? Pressure. When I do not follow God's principles in my life, you bring upon yourself all sicknesses. God is not involved in this. If I eat all the nonsense in the wrong time, I will get cholesterol. And then I go, doctor, I got cholesterol. Doctor, say, how many times are you eating? Only six times, doctor. Can't you see me? My wife feeds me three times, and then the restaurant feeds me three times. Sometimes on Friday, maybe seven times, doctor. He said, no problem, there is a nice bed, MM foam, you can lie down. Your cholesterol will be there. We don't obey God's law. We bring sickness upon ourselves. If I do not obey God and trust Him, then I will allow all these sicknesses to creep into my life. So what's the condition for healing? I'm coming to my closing now. What's the condition for healing? My condition is I need to confess. Amen? We always hide and camouflage our sin rather than confessing them. Now, revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. Revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. Confess to each other. Now, does this mean I will confess to the old church? No. No, don't go and confess to the old church. I'll tell you what you have to confess to the church and what you have to confess. Number one, if you have a private sin, just between you and God, you confess it to God. If you have a private sin. If you have a personal sin, then I go to my sister or I go to my brother and I confess it to my brother and say, I have wronged you, my brother. That's a personal sin. But if I have a public sin, then I come in front of the church and I, come and I confess to the old church. You don't take your private sin and bring it here. You have to be very careful. He says, confess your sins, not broadcast them. Many of us like to broadcast not our sins, but other people's sins. There's a verse in Job, and I don't know where it is, where it says, a man needs his friend so that he, his friend, when he's doubting God, his friend will bring him back to the cross. If you go home, search for that scripture. A man needs his friend most when he's doubting God. You know, when you're sick, a man doubts God and he says, God, where are you? Why are you not there? And then you as a friend, you go to that brother and you lead him from doubt to the cross. Amen? Don't lead him to more doubt. You lead him from doubt to the cross. Why should I pray? James says, we must pray whenever we have a need, a physical need, an emotional need, and a material need. My last point now is, who can pray? Who can pray? Some people think that you have to be a spiritual giant to pray. I want to show you what verse 17 says. Look at verse 17. And we are going to see a very spiritual giant here. James uses Elijah as a beautiful, inst- uh, as an example for us. Elijah was a man, man just like us. You seen that? What, what, is, what is James trying to tell? Elijah was a man just like you and me. Yes, brother. He prayed. He prayed earnestly. Huh. That it would not rain. I know. How did he pray? Earnestly, okay? Ah. 
and it did not rain <coughs> on the land for three and a half years. He prayed again. Again he prayed. And the heavens. And the heavens gave rain. Okay. And the earth produced. Now we see in 1, 1, 1 Kings chapter 19, here is Elijah who has this big tug of war between whose God is the great God. Elijah was not afraid of 400 prophets. He even got them killed. But the moment he heard the voice of Jezebel, can you imagine what can one woman do to a mighty man? Wow. The moment he heard one woman's voice, he ran. He was not afraid of 400 prophets. They were not normal men. They were prophets. In this passage we find, the first ten verses says that Elijah demonstrated fear. He, he demonstrated resentment. He demonstrated guilt. He demonstrated anger. He demonstrated loneliness. And he demonstrated worry. Doesn't that resemble us when we go through trials? We have resentment, we have anger, we go through it. That's the reason James is saying, Hey, Elijah is just like you. But when he prayed earnestly, God answered. Amen? Now, the thing is, it says that he prayed seven times. So what does that tell us? We need to be persistent in our prayer life. No matter what, you be persistent and say, God, I am asking you for this. If it's your will, let it be. Amen? So, sister, just clip, uh, skip that slide. We will not have that song. We are running short of time. How can I pray effectively? How can I pray effectively? I want four conditions before we close. How can I pray effectively? Four conditions are, number one. Yes, sister, next one. Next slide. Number one, I must ask. The first thing is, you need to ask. That sounds very simple, but it's very difficult for us. You know what we normally do? Thank you, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Like, you know, like saying the rosary. Thank you, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's all. We are not specific in our prayer. Do you know something? When your prayer is specific, your answers are great in Jesus' name. James chapter 4 verse 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. So we need to be specific. My second point is, have the right motive. We need to have the right motive when we pray. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with a wrong motive that you may spend what you have on your pleasure. Number third, clean life. Third point, the prayer of a righteous man. You seen that? You need to have a clean life. James chapter 5 verse 16, it says, Righteous. Circle the word righteous if you have it in your Bible. My brothers and sisters, Psalm 66 verse 18 says, David says, If I hide iniquity in my heart, then the Lord will not hear. Proverbs 28 verse 9, If anyone turns, I want you to listen very carefully for all of you who have a driving license. Those of you with driving license, see the scripture. If anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, two laws we have. We have the law of the land, we have the law of God. If you turn a deaf ear to the law of the land, God says, your prayers are detestable. Have you seen that? No problem. Soon as you pass the, you know, the, the, the camera, then you'll go 110, 120. When you come near the camera, 100. You cross the camera, 120. God says, I won't even listen to your prayers. They are detestable in my sight. Isaiah 59 verse 2. But your iniquities 
have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so he will not hear. The last point, ask in faith. I would, I would request the choir to quickly come. The choir, please, come to the altar. James says, ask in faith. Pastor Sean, give the mic to Pastor Sean. James 1 verse 6. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. When you come to God, my brothers and sisters, believe that God wants to answer your prayer. Amen? God wants to answer your prayer. Amen? So how important is your prayer life today? I struggle with this. You know that? I'm not a man who's perfect standing here. I struggle with this area very much. I talk to the Lord most of the time. But I do not really have what I really want. I want to be on a level. But I'm not able to be on that level. I want to know Him more deeper. But I'm struggling to know Him more deeper. Because things are pulling me down. I want people to say that the presence of God dwells in this church. Amen. I want the powers of darkness to tremble. Pastor Sean, come. And I want people to look at our church and say, only God could have done that. Amen. Can we stand on our feet, please? You make my life so beautiful. So beautiful, Lord. Oh, and as you are, you are Thank you, Lord. There's nothing greater than you. That's why I love you. That's why I love you. Forevermore. You make my life. You make my life so beautiful. Beautiful, so beautiful, Lord. And I still
lift up your hand and just cry from the depth of your heart. I want more of you. I want more of you. Jesus, the more I know you, the more I want to More of your grace, more of your anointing, more of you, Lord, in every area of our lives. Lord, let this word today bring a total turnaround in our prayer life, in our walk with you. In the name of Jesus, David said in Psalm 109 verse 4, I give myself unto prayer. Lord, let this be our cry from today. Give me more of ourselves as we encounter more of you. Give me more of ourselves, of our heart, of our thoughts, of all that we are unto you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you blessed today? Put your hands together for Jesus for that powerful word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Excellent men. We are meeting tomorrow morning by 530 Let's make sure that we are there. And please invite your friends and your loved ones. It promises to be a great time. Amen. For everyone traveling, go in peace and return with testimonies in Jesus' name. Amen. Please make sure that when you are driving, your seat belts are on. Check your children on the roads. Amen. Drive safely. The Lord go with you. Go in peace. Everyone on the air. Today, tomorrow, you are covered in the name of Jesus. I pray with you that the word today will mark a transformation in our prayer life in the name of Jesus. We give God all the glory every time he answers prayers. That shall be our lifestyle in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray today, let this word Take root and bear fruit in every area of our lives. In the name of Jesus. We return next week giving you the glory in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. The remaining days of this year, we decree the word holiness and peace shall be our lifestyle. Shall be our testimony. In the name of Jesus. So shall it be. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Let's share the grace in fellowship, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, 
God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Holiness and peace. God bless you. Have a great week. Amen.